beautiful song. I'm so thankful for that old rugged cross. I'm looking forward to one day being in heaven, being able to be there because of that old rugged cross, uh, being able to lay the, our crowns at the feet of Christ and worship him. I want you to take your Bible, if you would, turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Brother Eric, we're getting a, a low-end ring feedback, if you can fix that. Colossians chapter 2, if you would, take your Bible, turn there. Mm. We'll just begin reading that in just a moment. my monitor down a little bit it might help you a little bit there we're trying to get accustomed to everything being changed you pull everything out you put it over the old auditorium you rip it all out you put it all back and we're still having fun trying to get these things squared away so appreciate your patience on that eric's been working hard at it yeah testing one i'm still getting a little bit of feedback in the low mid that's better thank you let's have a word of prayer ask the lord to bless our time together as we hear from the word of God. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. I pray, Lord, that we would listen intently as you speak to our hearts. May we hear the message that you have for us. Lord, that you would um, allow for our hearts to be open. Lord, we know that you want to speak to us. Uh, we didn't come together today just to sit. Uh, Lord, we came together today, first and foremost, to lift up your name for you to be glorified, for you to be pleased. Lord, also... We came together today that we might hear from you, Lord, that you would give us the message that we have for this day. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to listen, help our faith to grow. I pray that we'd be stronger as a result of being here. Uh, Lord, that we would have a, a reason um, for coming that would be accomplished in, in learning and growing in our faith, being stronger in what we believe and know. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been going through and, and uh, over the last several weeks and going through a series entitled Be Not Deceived. And we looked at many different ways of how we can be deceived. And today as we continue on, we're going to be looking at the final group of players whose purpose is to deceive you and me as we approach the end times, as time comes near the Lord's return. Now some might say, well, he might not come back for another thousand years. And I say, that's possibly true. But we're a day closer today than we were yesterday, the Lord's return. We're a week closer than we were last week. We've been talking about it. We've talked about it. Talked about the Lord's return every all, I mean, throughout my entire life, I remember hearing about this. That doesn't mean that the Lord's not coming back. Remember, that's what the scorners want you to believe. And we can just not worry about it. But yes, the Lord is coming back, and we as Christians ought to be living as though he could come back even this day. And we know the word of God tells us that in the end times, there's going to be scorners. There's going to be those that are going to try to uh, bring great deceit into the world and overall last week we talked about the greatest deceiver of all Satan himself and how that he is uh, using lawlessness and he will continue to use lawlessness and his advantage to deceive us and we talked about how the scorner tries to plant those seeds to get us to question God the devil tries to plant those seeds to try to get us to question God when we look around and we see all the difficulties of this world and all the the terrible things that are happening the devil wants us to question where is God how, how come God's allowing this to happen hey just remember this that God is not the author of sin God is not the one that created the problems that we have in this world sin is what caused the problems we have in this world and we know that sin the wages of sin is death there's a lot of death and dying it's all a result of the penalty of sin that God forewarned mankind about that being said, though, the devil still tries to use it. He tries to point at it. He, he knows exactly how to tempt people. He knows how to deceive, and, he, and his scoffers will try to deceive us. And today, we're going to tackle the group that Jesus refers to in the Sermon on the Mount as wolves in sheep's clothing. Wolves in sheep's clothing. There are the, there's uh, those that are at work, and they try to work their way into the congregation. They try to get into a place of authority, and they start to share their lies they start to share their half-truths. By the way, what is a half-truth? It's a lie, right? If you put a little bit of lie with a little bit of truth, it's still a lie. 
They're trying to get those half-truths. The devil's been good about that all the way from the very beginning. There when he tempted Eve in the garden, he was telling half-truths, and he got her to question the Word of God. There are a lot today that are still doing the same thing. And by the way, it's not just out in the world that they're doing it. They're doing it right in the church house. There are teachers and preachers and Christians today, I say Christians, they call themselves Christians, but there are many that are wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus Christ, he warned about that. People that are trying to infiltrate the church, their purpose is to deceive. To deceive you. To deceive me. The devil wants to get people in this church to cause great deceiving to go on. He wants to get somebody in the pulpit, somebody in the teaching class, somebody in a position of authority that is not going to tell the truth. You say, well, that can't happen at Lighthouse Baptist Church. Well, yes, it can. It truly can happen at this church. Let me share with you two reasons why it can happen here. First of all, we as church members are more trusting than testing at times. More trusting than testing. Now, this message today isn't to try to cause division or to get you all angry at me. But you ought to be angry at me if I'm not preaching the Word of God truthfully. We ought to be very careful. Now, we ought to trust one another to a point, but there ought to be testing that goes as far as there ought to be things that we hold up to the Word of God to say, is it right or wrong? We ought to be knowing what the Word of God says. Unfortunately, many times people are more trusting than they are testing when it comes to church. In 1 John 4, verse 1, John tells us not to simply believe something. He said that we're, we're, we're supposed to, to test it, to see if it lines up with the Word of God. But I dare say there are few people that are doing that in most churches across this country. Now, let me say this for a moment as well. That doesn't mean you're supposed to be a critic. Every time the preacher gets up, you're sitting there with this look on your face. Is he going to do it today? What's he going to say today that's wrong? By the way, if the preacher did say something wrong and he's been doing it continually, you should have already talked to him. You ought not come with a cynical spirit in looking for everything you can possibly find at jot or tittle to look for problems with the preacher's saying. That's not what we're talking about. I'm not talking about that kind of spirit. We're talking about the kind of spirit where you're paying attention to what the preacher's saying. And you're listening to the doctrine that he's preaching. And you're making sure that what he's preaching is true to the Word of God. And if it's not true to the Word of God, something's wrong. It is your responsibility. You know this church is not a dictatorship? It's not. It is your responsibility to hold this preacher accountable to the Word of God. It truly is. And if I have a problem with that, something's wrong with this preacher. I, I, I appreciate it. Now, there's times people will say something, there's a misunderstanding that's happened, or the way I presented it. At the very beginning of the series, I had somebody question me about talking about the deceit and, and, and the, the great delusion that's going to happen. The very next Sunday, I clarified that because I wanted to make sure there was no misunderstanding as to what I was preaching about. And I appreciated them doing that because my perspective, I was looking at it from one direction. They saw it from another. That helped me. I don't mind that at all. And we ought to be doing that. But here's the thing. We've got to be not just trusting everything that people say. We have to listen to what they're saying. You know, when we have a special speaker come, an evangelist or a missionary, I always look at their doctrinal statement. I want to read what they believe. I want to make sure it lines up with the Word of God. Not only that, I will want to know, where's your sending church? What do they believe? What, what does your pastor believe? I want to make sure I understand that. Many times, I've either heard them preach or they're sending organization or church. We already know them very well before they come here. I don't just take somebody off the street and say, hey, would you come fill the pulpit? Not at all. I want to make sure that they're, what they're going to preach from this pulpit is not going to be contrary to the Word of God. And by the way, if one ever did slip through, I would have to get up and publicly say what they said was doctrinally incorrect. I would have to do that. That'd be embarrassing for them and me to go both. So I try to avoid those situations. But you understand, we're supposed to be aware of these things. Okay, so first of all, church members are more trusting than, than, than testing. Secondly, why it could happen at this church? Christians don't pay that close attention to things that are going on in church. Christians don't pay that much attention to what's going on in church. I'm not doing this for an illustration. I'm just thirsty. <laughs> okay, so here's the question. Do you ever look at the screen, what's going on? Do you know what's happening in the future? I've had people come to me and say, hey, when are we doing such and such? And it's been on the screen for four weeks. It's been in their bulletin for a month. That's four weeks, too. But, I mean, it's been in there a long time. 
and they don't see it. You know, here's the truth. truth of the matter is, though, there's times that I've done the same thing. I can't remember something. I don't remember it. You know, I don't pay attention. Things happen. You know, there's, I, I truly believe there's sometimes we could actually paint the colors wall of these walls a different color and people wouldn't notice. People don't pay attention to a lot of what's going on in church. Now, once again, we're not here to be hypercritical about, well, I don't like the color of that wall. I'm sorry, it's too late. <laughs> we're not painting it again. No, we're not changing the car. I'm just kidding around with you. But I mean, it's not about being critical. It's about noticing what's going on. Do you see what's happening? Do you notice when things are happening? Do you notice when God is working? Do you notice, I mean, are you paying attention? It's so important that we pay attention. You know, a mom pays attention when it comes to her kids. Janelle, if your daughter came home with a bruise from school, would you notice it? Oh, yes. I know Janelle would. I know most mothers would. I mean, anything new, out of place, something's wrong, you're going to pay attention to it. Guys, I mean, would you notice something at work if things weren't just right? You know, it's like, things are wrong today? You would notice it at work. And I'm not trying to be stereotypical, all right? I'm just saying, I'm using illustrations here. Ladies, do the same thing. At work or vice versa, we notice our kids. We, we pay attention to these things. We pay more attention oftentimes, though, to our job, to things like that, than we do what's going on in church. The average churchgoer. They don't pay careful attention to what's going on. Listen, I challenge you. Please pay attention to what's going on. Pay careful attention to what's going on. Now, I'm not just talking about the fact that you don't like the color of the carpet. I'm talking about pay attention to what's being taught. Be plugged in when the preaching's going on. Don't just zone out and thinking everything's okay. Listen, no, you're supposed to be paying attention to make sure that what's being preached is from the Word of God. Don't go to sleep on it. That's the way that they, those wolves slip in and end up teaching things that would lead people astray. You need to be very careful. Jude says that due to their lack of attention, those wolves, they, they sneak in unnoticed. Notice what it says on the screen, Jude verse 4. It says, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only true Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. They crept in unawares. It happened right under the noses of people. Those wolves, their number one purpose is to lead you astray from God and His Word. Things like this can happen to good people. You ever drank the Kool-Aid? Now, some of you know what I'm talking about because you've been around long enough to know what I'm talking about. That phrase and what it comes from is because a man led a group of people that weren't paying attention and they started following a man that Instead of the word of God, they ended up down in some uh, South America. They all ended up drinking Kool-Aid and all did a mass suicide together. You say, how could that ever happen? They, I've heard, I've seen all kinds of documentaries and things. These people were good people. They were regular people. They had family. They ended up in a situation like that. Now, that's an extreme. I understand it. That's an extreme. But you know what? You get there by one step at a time. You've got to be paying attention. Wolves in sheep's clothing. What they want to do is they want to preach. They want to change the truth of the Word of God. They want to teach. They want to change the Word of God. They want to disciple. They want to help. They'll get little groups together and they'll start spreading that lie or half-truth. They'll start spreading those things. That's why I will tell you here at Lighthouse Baptist Church, we're very careful. We try to really make sure we vet those that are in charge of a small group or in leadership or even Bible studies. We try to be very careful about that. We want to be very careful because we don't want things to, 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 where somebody gets planted in a spot or assumes a position they shouldn't and begins spreading those things. And the sad part is, as we get closer to the end times, Paul, he warned Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that, that people are going to desire some of those things that are actually contrary to the Word of God. Notice what it says in 2 Timothy 4.3. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Sometimes that's the way it takes place. They'll have a pre preacher or a teacher or somebody in a leadership position or somebody that wants to have a group. They'll say things that they want to hear, and before you know it, they're desiring that, and they're being led astray. And so here's the question. I said all that kind of lay a foundation as, yes, we do need to make sure. We need to be on guard. I'm not talking about being militant at this point. Militant is when you know there's a problem. We ought to be on guard, though, to make sure there's not a problem. And so how are we going to protect ourselves from these false teachers and false prophets whose purpose is to lead us astray? Look there, if you would, at Colossians chapter 2. Let's all stand up, if you would. 
Colossians chapter 2, look at verse number 6. We, can, we see here some of the greatest protection we can have from these wolves. Notice, if you would, verse number 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Let's go ahead and pray once again. Would you join me? Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that we would be aware. I pray, Lord, that we would listen. I pray, Lord, that we would understand what's required to not be led astray, uh, to not um, be deceived by wolves. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The very first thing I want to point out today, we're talking about how can we protect ourselves. The very first thing we have to understand is a very basic point, but it's needful. We see it right here laid out before us, and that's this. Being born again is the biggest turning point in your life. Being born again, most important thing. Biggest turning point in your life, and I say it that way because I want to make a point of it. You know, there are turning points in our life. There are things that happen in our life, but the most significant most, the greatest turning point in your life is when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. There in verse number 6, notice what he says once again. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Greatest turning point. You know there's a lot of turning points in life. There might be, for some, a turning point in your life might be that you're overweight. You made a decision to lose weight. You had a turning point in your life. And then you got into healthy habits of eating and exercising and you lost a lot of weight. I've had turning points like that in my life many times. And, um, <laughs> and then you make a bad turning point, you turn around the other way, and you go back, and you've got to go back and forth and back and forth. And that's something, though, that is, is a continual challenge. Some have made that decision, and they are victorious. They get a great turning point. It's a big one. It's a wonderful one. There are others that make a turning point. A guy is a bachelor. He decides he's finally going to marry that girl that he's been courting for such a time, and now he asks her to marry him. And he makes a big turn. You know, getting married is a big turning point in your life. Can I hear you amen to that? I mean, especially if you're a bachelor for any time at all. Now you've got to just do what the wife says. No, I'm just kidding around. Make sure you pick up those clothes. You know, big turning point, big change in your life. There's a lot of big changes. You graduate from high school, big turning point. Going off to college, perhaps, big turning point. There are a lot of them. But you know what? None of those compare even close to that turning point when you trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That time when you went from being lost and dead in your trespasses and sin, literally being a child of the devil, to becoming a child of God, being born again. What a great change took place in your life. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What a changing point in our life. What a change that takes place. When I say changing point, it almost is an underemphasis of it. It's a transformation point in your life. You went from being dead to now being alive, being an enemy against God to being literally a child of God, joint heirs with the Son, the only begotten Son of God. The Apostle Paul, he said this in Ephesians 2, verse 1. Notice what he says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. There we see a descriptive of what we used to be. And listen, for us to be able to defend against the lie of the devil, we must be alive to fight off the wolf in sheep's clothing. We have to be alive spiritually. A person whose soul is spiritually dead cannot fight off a, a false prophet or a false teacher because that spiritually dead person is just like them. There are a lot of false teachers today in the world. There are a lot of false prophets that are pro pro professing things that are not true today. And there are people that are following after them. And many that are following after them, it's simply this one reason why. It's because they're dead spiritually. They don't know the truth. Their eyes have never been opened. They've never had that transformation in their life. They don't even understand it, and they're following after some dead religion. 
All you got to do is look at what happens in the Muslim world. All these people that are following after this false teaching, false teaching of jihad, false teaching of Muhammad, and all it's because they don't understand what it means to be set free and to be a child of God. You look at what's happening in, in much of the, the Christendom even today, people that are following after the false teachings of religion to try to earn their way to heaven. People that are not saved, they don't even know. They don't have the truth in their heart. They've never been exposed to the truth. I say that. I'm talking about because they're still dead. It seems like foolishness to them, the truth does, the Bible says. Their eyes are darkened. The light hurts. And Paul is saying that in verse number 3. He says, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We used to be like that. But you know what? When I got saved, my eyes were opened. I no longer am blind. I can see, and I have the Holy Spirit of God within me. Don't take that lightly. When you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit of God within you that now illuminates the Scripture and allows you to understand it. He teaches you and guides you. A lost person doesn't have that. You can compare the spirits when you have the Holy Spirit of God within you and tell whether it's true or not. You can't do that if you're lost. If you don't want to be misled in this world, you better know Christ as your Savior. That's the most important thing. Do you know Christ today? Have you been born again? Was there a time and a place in your life when you made a decision to trust in Christ alone as your Savior? Not trusting in your good works, not trusting in some man-made religion, not trusting in church membership, but trusting in complete work of Jesus Christ there on Calvary's cross. When he died for you, he paid your sin debt, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. Have you trusted in him as your Savior? Do you know that you're going to heaven? That's the best way that you can have the ability to be able to know when somebody is not telling the truth. There's much deceit that's out there. And people are following after it because first and foremost, they've not had that change in their life, that transformation of being born again. Secondly, how are we able to be able to, uh, to, to be, uh, protect ourselves against the lies from those wolves that would come in and try to deceive? Number two, we need to recognize a lie by knowing the truth. This has kind of been a theme throughout the series. I've used a dollar bill. Brother Randy gave me $20 and he took it back. No, I gave it back to him. I talked about the illustration of knowing what is absolute as far as what is real to being able to see what is false. We need to know the truth. If we don't know the truth, we will not know when something is a lie. We have to be able to compare the two. We have to recognize it. And we have to know it by studying the word of God. And Colossians 2, 7, there in our text, look at verse number 7, what it says. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Rooted and built up in him. Established in the faith. You see, walking in Christ comes as a result of accepting Christ as our Savior, but being rooted and built up is a result of hard work. Listen, Jesus Christ did all the hard work for salvation. He paid the price. He paid the penalty for us. He did all the hard work. We simply receive a gift. When it comes to being rooted, we have to get involved. We've got to get into the Word of God. We have to be diligent about working hard, about studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, using the Word of God. And we need to make sure that, that, that we are rooted. And for us to do that, there's a, there's a couple of things that I've already mentioned, one, I want to mention it again. But the first thing for us to be rooted is it requires a teachable spirit. We've got to be teachable in order to grow as a Christian. A person that thinks they know everything does not have a teachable spirit. None of us have arrived. We have to continually have a teachable spirit. It doesn't matter what age you are. Whether you've been saved for a year, you need to have a teachable spirit. Or saved for 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 years, whatever the number you want to put in there, you need to have a teachable spirit. We need to continue to be willing to learn. Listen, come to church expecting to be taught. Desiring to learn something, paying attention, being plugged in, listening what God has to say to you, having a teachable spirit. Secondly, for us to, to be rooted, it requires, like I said a moment ago, studying the Word of God. Now, I'm going to ask a question. It's probably going to get a response. I believe I, I know the answer to this, but let me just ask it. How many of all enjoy 
when you were in school studying for a test? Raise your hand. Oh, oh dear, right. Janelle, I know you very well, otherwise I would think you're lying, but I don't think you are. I don't. She's a teacher. She likes to study. I get it. Collins, did you have your hand raised? You like to study too? You enjoyed that? What's wrong with you, boy? Man, I'm kidding around. I wished I had the desire when I was a kid to study. I did not have that desire. I'm like, yeah, we wished you had studied harder too. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I wished I had too, believe me. I wished I'd learned a little bit more when I was in those grades K through three in phonics. Huh. Might help me a little bit better. I get that. Some of you are like, what's phonics? Yeah, I know what you're saying. You know, studying. People don't want to study. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but do you love to study the Word of God? Huh. Do you study the Word of God? Most people don't like to study. But I want to remind you, listen, Paul tells us that we are to study to show ourselves approved. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are supposed to study. God tells us to study the Word of God. This isn't just your teacher in 8th grade English class that's telling you to memorize all the parts of speech and study them. Some of you just got like a cold sensation upon you and uh, you, you went through some of those uh, fears like PTSD about English class in 8th grade. I remember 8th grade, man, I had a tough English teacher. We, she was so mean. She made us memorize and, and the definition of every part of speech. I couldn't believe it. It was terrible. I'm joking, obviously, but it was not my favorite class, I will tell you that, but I had to study, I had to work at it, I had to learn. And if I didn't do it, the test would reveal if I hadn't. And if you don't study the Word of God, the test of life will reveal that you haven't. Yeah. And you'll be ashamed. How are you doing on passing the test? And the ultimate test is going to come one day. We're going to have to give an account, the Bible says. How are we doing on passing that test? Hey, one of the big tests in life is being able to give an answer to any man that asks. One of the big tests is being able to share with your children, teaching them about the faith. Showing them why we believe what we believe. It's not just because the preacher said so. There's times I'd like for you to say that and it'd be true. <laughs> but that's not the main reason why. You understand? I mean, it, it's important that you teach your children what the preacher says is important. You all with me? You understand what I'm saying? It's important that you support the leadership spiritually that God has placed in your life and teach your children. But you ought to be teaching your children the truth of God's word, not based on just what the preacher says. It ought to be because that's what God's word says is why we believe it. Not just because the preacher says it. Praise the Lord, we've got a good preacher that preaches the word of God. But not just because the preacher says it. Studying. That studying can happen in personal time. That study can happen in small groups. We do Bible study. That study can happen during this right now. This is part of that. What happened at 10 o'clock this morning is part of that studying. What happens on Wednesday night in our Bible study, we're going through the book of Acts, looking at a church ablaze, a church that is on fire for God and wanting to pattern our church after that church. We're studying that on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. All of those times are important. They're all equally important. But the most important time, I will say for you, is your personal Bible study. Because if you don't have personal Bible study, you get together in those big group settings, you don't know what the Word of God even says. You don't know whether it's true or not. In verse 7, it concludes that we should make our heart thankful to know that we're equipped to recognize that when we're being spiritually lied to. Look at verse 7 once again. He says, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as even as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Being thankful for the study. Being thankful for being rooted. Being thankful for understanding. Thirdly, how do we avoid being lied to and deceived? Do this. Be intentional and not accidental in guarding truth. Be intentional and not accidental in guarding truth. Look at verse number 8, what it says. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. All right, so I want you to think about that with me. 
Beware lest any man spoil you. Now think about this. Now, in the world we live in today, are there anybody that's out there, is there any organization that's out there, is there anything that you would say that's probably trying to push a bunch of lies down your throat? Yeah. Interestingly, I found a survey done in September 2020 that indicated that 9% of Americans trust the media a great deal. And 31% trust it a fair amount of the time. I think that number's high. That's in 2020. It's probably gotten worse since then. And so the rest in this survey, about 60% were skeptical of the news. And by the way, we all have to be skeptical of the news. Don't just believe what you see on TV. Well, I saw it on the internet. It must be true. I want to talk about a big mistake. I saw a TikTok video, and man, I know everything now. Oh, boy. Be careful. But you don't have to just be careful when it comes to the news. By the way, I would encourage you to not just get your news source from one source. If you're wanting to know truth, ask God first and foremost for wisdom. But I would encourage you to read more than one source. There's some people that's only one source that they'll read. And, and, and you might say, well, I don't even watch the news. That's fine. If people want to put their head in the sand, that's fine. I want to know what's going on in my society. I want to know how to pray for my government. I want to be plugged in enough at least to know what's happening. Obviously, I'm not of this world. This world is not my home. We're passing through. And we are, we are citizens of a greater country than this. But God put us here at a time like this. We ought to know what's going on. And you ought to know when you go to vote what's going on. Amen. It's important to know. And so I would encourage you, you know, don't get all wound up by it. where That's all you're ever doing, obviously. But that's just a side note. The point is, is this. It ought not just be the news media that we look at and say, hmm, is that true? Does it line up? What about the church? Paul had to remind the Colossians to beware or to see to it. In other words, look out. He says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. We must have our guard up when we uh, turn on a preacher in the car. When you flip through the channels at home and you're watching a, um, a, a channel, and, but it's the Trinity Broadcast Network. I, it doesn't matter. You better be careful what you're listening to. What preaching that you're listening to, what teaching that you're listening to, what uh, tapes or CDs for your older people, those MP3s or podcasts for the older, pe younger people, what you're listening to. Be very careful what you're ingesting. Be careful what you're listening and, and really pay attention to it. In fact, we need to have our guard up even when we come to church. Once again, I'm going back to the same thing. You need to know what's being preached here and know whether it's true or not. You need to make sure that you're making sure that the preacher is preaching the truth and not a lie. The truth of the matter is, listen, I've been here now for 24 years. Nobody's ever accused me of heresy or preaching false doctrine. But if this preacher ever did, you all need to hold me accountable. If this preacher were to fall over dead and you are calling a new preacher, don't just look for one that makes it feel good. Don't just look for one that makes you have itch, you know, fixes that itching ear problem that, 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 that Paul told Timothy is going to happen. Look for one that preaches the word of God, that knows the word of God. Protect by being intentional. Don't just think it's going to happen. Make sure that we only allow the truth to get into our hearts and our minds. Put, a, put a, a filter on what you're listening to, what you're watching. I've seen people that it's, this, this has happened. I've known people. I've been in ministry long enough, and I, was in, I grew up in my dad's church. I saw people there. My dad is the pastor of that church. I saw people that were on fire for God, people that were serving God, people that were involved in this ministry, that ministry, this ministry, that ministry. And before you know it, they start coming to church and say things like, you know what, um, a preacher, um, man, I really, got a, I really got some insight from this preacher over here. And, and then you... You say, who was that preacher? You start hearing about who they're listening to. And you go, hey, you better be careful. That, that guy is not sound doctrine. And they don't pay attention. They don't listen. Before you know it, this person's down, down the road. I had, I had a, a family member of mine. I'm not going to say who it was. It's not an immediate brother, but a family member of mine. Man, years ago, we used to be in ministry together. And he began to start listening to Joel Osteen over and over and over. And he started loving Joel Osteen. And before you know it, he's down at Joel Olstein's ministry camp. 
and he's being taught Joel Olstein mentality about how to, 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 to be a pastor of a church. He came and he invited me, and I said, I don't want nothing to do with that. He said, oh, I've been set free, I've been set free. And I said, oh, oh, oh really? Huh. Listen, it can happen to anybody. If you, and I'm not going to share who the name is, but I, I knew this man well, family member, pastor of a church. He ended up, you know, and, and you say, well, why are you picking on Joel? Because Joel Olstein does not preach the true word of God. You look at what he says, and I'm just going to give you one point. I don't normally attack people's names at all. I'm attacking a doctrine, and I'm attacking a false teacher, and I'm attacking a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. And as your pastor, I believe it's right for me to do that. I watched it, and I've, I've used this illustration before, but it's a good one for me. It's good enough to know that I don't want to listen to Joel Olstein or read his books. Joel Olstein was on Larry King's show years ago. Older folks remember Larry King. And Larry King asked him, is there but one way to heaven? You Christians say there's but one way to heaven. Is that true? And Joel Olstein says, well, there's many ways that lead to God. And he says, but Jesus himself said, and, and Larry King actually quoted what Jesus said in John chapter 6 when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He says, what do you think about that, Joel? <laughs> and he said, well, you know, there are many people that are believing and trusting and they, they, they are worshiping and, and God sees that God is a loving God. He would not take the stand. Listen, that is contrary to the word of God. We need to be very careful. And I say that because Joel Osteen is not the only one out there that's teaching and preaching false teaching like that. There are so many of you to be very careful, be on guard, be on purpose and make it intentional. It is something you do intentionally. Make sure that we only allow the truth to get into our hearts and minds. Fourthly and lastly, be sure it comes from God, not man. Be sure it comes from God, not man. This is an important one. Look at verse number 8. Notice what it says here. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. I think we know what traditions of men are. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But what are the rudiments of the world? It's an interesting word. I had to go look it up, and I tried to figure out, go to strong concordance. And what is a rudiment? What is that talking about? You know, when I read that, in, in the descriptive of it, it made me think of, it made me think of people that are getting involved in a lot of this new age type religion of spiritual worship and spirit worship and things of this world. I mean, things like you would, the Eastern religions, things like that. Uh, people that would be involved in, in, in the spiritual realm of worshiping false spirits, things that are the dark realm, the rudiments of this world. It's talking about, and you know what? There's, there's Christians today that will open the door up for this type of thing into their life. Hey, be very careful what type of exercise techniques that you do. And the the thinking that you have and when you're following a pattern after the rudiments of this world. There's people today that will be more involved in yoga than they will in studying the Word of God. You know what yoga is? Huh. It was interesting when we had this, our last missionary that was just here with us, um, missionaries to Mongolia. And uh, what, what is Brother Jeff's wife's name? Do you all? Kim. Yeah, that's right, Kim. We were sitting after the church service, and she says if people knew what yoga really was, they would never be part of it. They're right there in the midst of it there in, in Mongolia. And she says, if you knew what that really, the belief system behind that was, they would never be part of it. It is definitely this mysticism, this whole thing, the rudiments of this world falls in line with that. And she says, if people would only know that. And when she said that, man, it sparked my ear. Because you hear a lot about the yoga. And I know that there's some things you're just doing stretching and stuff like that. But be very careful. You are involved in a realm of spirituality that many people don't even understand or know. You're opening up the door. I'm not trying to attack yoga as far as people's yoga class or whatever. All I'm trying to say is that you have to be very careful. What is actually happening when you're doing that? I don't want to get too, too uh, uh, messed up as far as going, getting too deep into that. But when you see the rudiments of this world, that's the type of thing this is talking about. And it says, traditions of men, vain uh, philosophy and vain deceit, Things that are not after Christ. Now, take your Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to spend a few moments looking over here. Matthew chapter 15. Talking about the traditions of men. When Jesus came to this earth, there were a lot of traditions that his people were involved with. 
approximately, they had added to the law 613 guidelines that they would have to follow in order to, to keep the law of the Sabbath. Can you imagine 613 additional laws that were made by the rabbinical law, made by man, in order to help you fulfill the Sabbath? And some of you are like, I don't even know what you just said. I'll give you some examples here in a minute. But there were some crazy things that they told them that they had to do. Instead of just following the word of God, they expounded on it, the rabbinical law. A couple hundred years before the time of Christ, they began to add these things to try to help people through the day of rest to know what they could and couldn't do. Instead of helping them through the, a day that's supposed to be a day of rest, it became a day of bondage. And it was passed on traditional now, even in Jesus' day. By the way, I, I heard it when I was over there. I cannot remember for sure. It was either 2,000 or 20,000 have been added since the, day of, of the days of Jesus to that rabbinical law. I can't remember the number, but they've, they've, they've multiplied through the years is the, the point. All right, it took a couple hundred years to get 613. Now since then, they have multiplied in the great numbers. I'm talking about the Jewish, obviously, faith. I'm talking about um, um, Jews and their religion. But we're talking about that's what's going on here in Matthew 15. Look at verse 1. Then came, Jesus, uh, then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. That's what the law says. Look at verse 5. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or mother, his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. All right, a lot of stuff being said there. Let me just say what's going on. All right. What he's saying to them is you guys have changed the law. God said to honor your father and your mother. Now, if you look at the context of this and what he's talking about, in the days that the Israelites, they were given command, when your mom and dad got older, how were they taken care of? Who was to take care of them? The children were, exactly. They didn't have Social Security. They didn't have a fallback on the government. They had family. And that son is supposed to take care of mom and dad. Make sure that they were taken care of. That's what the law stated to them. They were to honor them that way. Instead, the, these scribes and Pharisees throughout time, because of tradition, they came up with this called a vow of Corbin. It was a vow that he could make, that son, instead of taking care of his mom and dad, he could take that money that was supposedly supposed to go to mom and dad and give it to the temple in Jerusalem and therefore tell mom and dad, I'm giving it to a higher cause. I'm not going to take care of you. I'm giving it to God. Sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? Sickening. And, you know, it sounds kind of interesting that the scribes and Pharisees, are, that the rabbinical law, those that would tend to benefit from something like that would be okay with that are you all with me on that do you think about that for a moment and so he, christ is saying ye hypocrites verse seven look at verse six and honor not his father or his mother he shall be free thus have you made the commandments of god of none effect by your tradition ye hypocrites well did isaiah's prophesy of you saying this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips but their heart is far from me but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Let me stop right there for a moment. What is he saying here? Man, something messed up. Something's out of order. Here was the law of God. Here was the commandment of God. Here was the word of God. And now man has got involved and added all this different weight on top of people. Added to it. Added to it. Added to it. And done it for their own self. And sometimes ways just to get around God's law. Ways to make themselves feel okay by breaking God's law. Did all of that so that they could then be, there's power involved, all kinds of things that are involved with that. And meanwhile, the average Jew is weighed down with all this weight and having to do this and that. You know, some of the things, let me just give you a couple of them. Women were not allowed to look in the mirror on Sabbath. Ladies, what do you think about that? And do you know why? Because they might find a gray hair and try to pull it out on the Sabbath. You think I'm kidding. It's the truth. Therefore, breaking the law of not working on the Sabbath. 
when I read that, I thought to myself, and I'm going to get in trouble here. For some, it would be a lot of work on the Sabbath. <laughs> For others, it would be none at all. <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble now. But, you know, think about that. Now, why would you add that to the law that you're supposed to rest because God rested? Adding that to that. What, what's, and trying to make it easier. How about this one? If a person had an earache and they had to wad up something and put it in their ear because of an earache with oil on it, and on the Sabbath it fell on the floor, you couldn't pick it up because you'd be breaking the law of not working on the Sabbath. That's slow. <laughs> you couldn't carry anything heavier than the weight of a dried fig. You can tell we don't understand that that much because over there they got fig trees everywhere here you don't know what i know what a dried fig weighs and it's not very much because otherwise anything heavier than that would be picking up something and that's work and you put that all in perspective and now they're getting mad what were they getting angry with jesus about or his disciples what were they upset about what, what did they do that was so horrific and breaking the law what was it washing their hands you know we need to be so careful that we are not as petty as what they were we start adding things to the Word of God and adding weight on people and adding burdens on top of people. And people can't do this, you can't do that. Now, by the way, the Bible does tell us how to live, and that's not what I'm saying right now. I'm talking about if you get to the place, and there's people that have gotten to this, that you have such a guideline for every single little thing that if they don't follow those rules, they're not a good Christian. Man, I'll tell you, we need to be so careful of stuff like that. We start adding to the word of God. You know, God's word is true. God's word is very specific. But there's a lot of things that God doesn't specifically say for every single situation. And that's where we have to step into asking the Holy Spirit of God to lead us. And that's where we have to step into where we set standards ourselves. And standards vary. Do you all hear me? Standards do vary. What They do. No? Do standards vary or don't they? They, I'm looking around this. They vary right here by the color that you wear, by what you, how you're, uh, the way you look. Standards vary. And there are some standards that people have specifically based on the, their life and where they're at and the position, even the culture that they live in. If I lived in the Philippines today, I wouldn't be wearing this tie and I wouldn't be wearing this coat right here. I'd be wearing a long shirt that comes down about this far and it'd be buttoned up the front and look sharp. I'm right, aren't I? Yeah. It's a different culture. Does that mean that they're more holy than we are or we're more holy? Than? No. You've got to be very careful. We don't start equating God's holiness based on what we put on the outside. We need to be very careful. Even Christ said that. We need to be careful with that. And unfortunately, what happens in churches, you, you see churches, the, 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 the devil will get in and he'll use, now you talk about the devil in sheep's clothing, I mean, <laughs> a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's not just coming in and teaching a false teaching that's contrary to the word of God. It's coming in and falsing a te teaching something that would cause division. It's interesting, you look at the book of Corinthians when, when Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he says there'd be many heresies amongst you. If you go and look at it, there was all kinds of conflict that was going on and division. You look up that word heresies, the root of it is divisions. It's roots of breaking up and causing there to be division. It wasn't just the teaching, it was the action. It wasn't just the fact of teaching a heresy, it was causing division within the church. And yes, part of it was teaching, but it was also the act of the dividing of. We need to be so careful that we don't get so caught up in something Hey, you know, I remember growing up and in, in, when I went to Bible college, one of the guidelines that they had for the preachers that would come and preach for the pulpit, they actually had it on a little piece of paper right here on the pulpit for the preacher. No hobby horsing. Does anybody know what that is? You know what a hobby horse is? Brother Tim, you know what I'm talking about? That means that there's something that you have as a hobby horse that's not from the word of God, but you're going to get up. It's like I've used it before, getting up and preaching that God hates pink shirts. Where's Brother Matt? He's doing, he's doing security. I'm getting back at him. He picked on me today. He says, what, what goodwill did you get that shirt from? He told me that this morning. I said, what are you talking about? I'll get you back. You know, but hobby horsing, talking about a pink shirt as somehow, I've, I've heard, that's a hobby horse. Talking about type of glasses, that's a hobby horse. T talking about those types of things. Listen, we don't need to talk about those kind of things. There's people that are lost and dying and on their way to hell, and we're sitting here fighting each other about such things that are not such a big deal. They really aren't when it comes right down to it. Dave, I like your shirt. That's a nice color. It is. <laughs> 
But there's people that will get caught up, and it's not just shirts, folks. It, it's about how you do things. You know, there, there's whole churches that will be offended because I went like this with a mic. Because I'm holding a mic? Somehow I'm not a fundamental independent Baptist church because I'm holding a mic? That's ridiculous. Where'd they get that from in the Bible? It's called traditions of man. People will get upset because of, of some music that's not quite in their like of music. Where, where did you find that? Where is the, the, the golden grail of what's absolute as far as what's good and what's bad? I can tell you what it is. Is it scriptural? Does it follow the word of God? Hmm. You want to talk about music, you get in the word of God, you start, hmm, that's interesting. That being said, we have standards. We do. And I believe in this church, we're a very conservative church when it comes to that. Some of you would disagree with that. But what are you basing it on? Show me. Show me in the Bible. You can get, I mean, we could, we could go on and on about this. We need to be so careful that we be, not, not being beware. Look at, go back to Colossians 2, verse 8. I could talk a lot more about Matthew 15, about what actually defiles a man. It's not what he takes in his mouth, but what comes from his heart is what Christ said. It's what comes from the heart. And that's the sad part. These people that want to hobby horse and do these things and cause a division, usually within their heart, there's not a love of God in their heart. It's division. Go back to Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. Not after Christ. We need to be so careful. So what are we to do to fortify ourselves from those who want to lead us astray? Number one, are you born again? Have you come to Christ? Have you trusted him as your personal savior? Have you, are you a child of God? Number two, be able to discern a lie by knowing the truth because of studying the word of God. Know the word of God. Be intentional in your approach to spiritual matters. Make it on purpose. Be intentional. Don't let it just happen. Listen, you can't come to church and every, you could come to every single church service and still not be able to tell the truth. You need to study the word of God yourself. Every one of us needs to study the word of God and be in church. There's no doubt about that. But be intentional in your approach. Don't just let things go in your ear. Be intentional about the approach. And we need to be very careful that we're making sure that what we believe, it comes from God and not man. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to know you, for opening our eyes to see truth. I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts now. I pray for those perhaps that are here this morning that don't know for sure they're on their way to heaven. Lord, I pray that they would nail that down today, that they would know for sure. Lord, I pray that we would be willing to be teachable. Lord, that we would allow for you to speak to our hearts. Lord, that we would make a decision. Make a decision that we're going to study your word. We're going to know your word. We're going to memorize it, apply it to our life. Make a decision that we're going to stand for truth. And Lord, when we do make that stand, we make sure it's on your word and not on man's opinion. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you today, do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you been born again? Was there a time and a place in your life when you, you realized that you were a sinner? That Jesus Christ died for you, that he paid your sin debt. You believed that he rose again. You by faith trusted in him as your personal savior. And you have no doubt, based on the promise of God's word, that you're saved, that you've been born again, and you're on your way to heaven. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high? Say, yes, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm saved. God bless me. Put your hands down. Perhaps you're here this morning, you don't have that peace. Let me ask you, where would you go if you died this day? Where would you spend eternity? God loves you. God wants you to know that you're on your way to heaven. God has made it possible that you may know, that you can know, that you can know today that you're on your way to heaven. Perhaps you're here this morning, you say, preacher, I'll be honest, I don't know, I don't have that peace, but I'd like to know. Could I pray for you? Would you just slip your hand up? Don't have that peace, but I'd like to know. Christian, 
Are you studying the Word of God? Do you know the Word of God the way you should? Are you passing the test? Are you a workman that needeth not to be ashamed? Are you rightly dividing the word of truth? Are you rooted and built up in him? Are you established in the faith? Maybe God's speaking to your heart today about studying his word. Would you say, God, I want to study your word more. Lord, I need your word might be that God is speaking to your heart about that. It might be God is speaking to your heart about just surrendering to whatever he's speaking to you about today. Just obeying his voice. Lord, I pray that you move in this invitation. Lord, speak to our hearts. May we listen to your voice. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see truth. Lord, I pray that we'd be rooted. Lord, I pray that we as a church, Lord, that we would know the truth. Why we believe what we believe. Why we do what we do. Lord, I pray that we would not be deceived. Lord, challenge our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I invite you. Has the Lord spoken to your heart today? Would you come to this altar? Maybe God's spoken to your heart. You know that You'd like to study the Word of God more. You need to know the Word of God more. Would you come and say, Lord, I make this commitment. Mom and Dad, would you make the commitment to, to know the Word of God, to teach your children? It might be you need wisdom, asking God for His help and direction. heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Christian's praying. Listen, if God's spoken to your heart, I invite you to come. If you don't know for sure you're on your way to heaven today, would you come? We'll have one of our workers here show you from the word of God how you can know today. Be seated. Let's have our ushers go ahead and make their way forward, gentlemen, if you would. I would encourage you if you have not turned in your connection card yet today, go ahead and fill that out, put that in the offering basket. Mark down the number of seeds that you planted. If you have any special requests or update of information, I appreciate you to go ahead and pass on that in if you would. Let's ask the Lord to bless the offering this morning. Colin, would you please lead us in prayer? taking up the offering. I want to just share some announcements with you. Faith Promise Missions Conference is coming up September the 22nd. That's a Thursday night through the 25th. I will be meeting at 7 o'clock on Thursday and Friday night that week. And then Saturday morning, we have a men's prayer breakfast at 9 a.m., a ladies' um, luncheon at 12, and just invite you to come be part of that. And then also on Sunday, uh, regular scheduled services, uh, but Sunday night at 6 p.m. we'll be having our international dinner. Now, we've got clipboards that are back on the back table back there. 
Um, we need your help with international food. If you go ahead and get by there and mark down what you'd be willing to bring for the international dinner. Then also, if you're planning on coming to the men's prayer breakfast or ladies' luncheon, uh, please sign up for that if you would so we can make proper um, provisions for that. All right, let's all stand up. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Brother Tim's here. Would you please dismiss us in prayer? Amen.